This is Season 3, Episode 6 of Mastering the RPG, a tabletop RPG podcast all about upping your game. Doesn't matter if you're a game master or a player, you'll find advice, ideas, and some strong opinions. Tonight's episode is Running Hex and Point Crawls in RPGs, or I Will Walk a Thousand Miles. All right, everyone. Welcome to Mastering the RPG, a tabletop RPG podcast. Like I said, um, we're all about advice, ideas, cool stuff found, lots of cool stuff. I'm Carl with my co-hosts, Eric and James, and you'll find all our information at MasteringTheRPG.com. And you can send us an email with feedback or questions at GameMaster at MasteringTheRPG.com. So, hey, guys, it's great to see you again. Um, always good to be on the mics with you. It's, we're recording a little later my time, so hopefully I don't fall asleep on you. But um, <laughs> uh, So, hey, what's, what's everybody been doing? How you been doing? James, how you doing? What you been up to? I'm going great. It's a balmy kind of almost summery afternoon here in Australia, so doing very, very well. I've had a really big week. I, I've, I've had six games this week, which is getting a, ri- a bit ridiculous, um, but uh, doing very, very well. My school games are finishing up in the next four weeks. So we've in almost all of them, we had mini boss fights last week, which was kind of kind of a bit fun. So writing the finales of all of these campaigns as we speak, which is which is pretty cool. Had an extraordinary session of Planescape on Friday, which was which was really really cool. Mm. Playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons Planescape, extra planar kind of gaming, which is which is really really cool. So yeah, plenty of games still. Very, very busy. Eric, how about you? What have you been up to this week? Yeah, for me, it's actually been a little GME this uh, last couple of weeks. <laughs> um, a server I'm in decided to do, like, kind of last minute, decided to do, like, almost like a mini con called Heist Fest. Um, so it's a bunch of one shots of heists from different systems. <laughs> oh, so I ran a I ran a Savage Worlds heist uh, using my Fallout um, setting that I, I mean, you know, the setting of Fallout, but I, like, wrote a whole thing for Fallout. Um, where the players had to, um, like a classic casino heist, but it's all super mutants and um, ghouls. Um, so that was really cool. That was really fun. And then I'm going to run a Monster Hearts, which is a um, mm-hmm. Apocalypse Engine system, um, where they have to, um, it's kind of, kind of uh, uh, I kind of got inspired by the, um, the new gen, the gen, the new, uh, the, sorry, the new boys show. So it's like, there's a secret, facility under the college and they have to break into that and they're all like you know supernatural creatures so we'll see how that turns i haven't run monster hearts in a while so that should be interesting um and then another uh game i'm in uh they want to take a break so i'm going to be doing a superhero game savage world so that'll be fun i've never actually run a full superhero um game so we'll see how that goes i'll let everybody know (laughs) later that was very cool. Very cool. Yeah, superpower companion in Savage Worlds. It's a little bit different, right? So it takes a yeah takes a little yeah. more effort and, and brain power to pull that one off. So very cool. Very cool. Um, I personally, I've just been running my campaign um, group. Just got through a temple and got a scepter that they don't know how to get a ghost out of, and so they went back to town and are figuring out. And then I also appeared on uh, the Peg uh, Pinnacle Group Savage Universe. Um, they remembered that I did a Dragonlance conversion of uh, f- to Savage Worlds, and they wanted to talk about what it took to do that. Um, and that was a pretty fun thing. Had a lot of people, and there was a, somebody who came on the stream who had completely never used Savage Worlds. So we spent um, three minutes explaining the rules to them. Um, <laughs> To the best to the best of our ability, and talked about what we thought were some of the cool rules. So that that turned out to be kind of nice. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Um, it's always cool to to talk to those guys, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to do something and get them on a, a, a live stream again coming up shortly. Um, we do have four year anniversary of Tabletop Tango, and maybe I'll do a live stream, and maybe we can get them on again. Figure out what game show to do this time. So. <laughs> um, yeah, go check the live streams of Tabletop Tango if you like game shows about Savage Worlds. There you go. So, um, all right. So, hey, uh, we unfortunately don't have any cool stuff tonight. Didn't get any emails, but we do. We do indeed have a main topic. And our main topic is about hex and point crawls. And so, 
I think let's get right to it. All right, we're going to get right to the main topic. So I think the first thing is to define what a hex crawl versus a point crawl is. Um, so I think hex crawls most people somewhat understand because that's a classic. It's been around since the practically the beginning of RPGs, and that's where you're doing overland travel with players moving from one hex to the next. And in each hex, there might be an encounter. There might be something interesting to explore. There might be some adventure to partake of. Um, and you can do it for a variety of reasons. It's because you got to go someplace. You're just doing exploration for the sake of explorations. You need to go get something or do something where there's something on the map that's important. So hex crawls are pretty much what people lots of times think of when they think of simple overland travel where they're taking a step-by-step -step on the map. Um, but what about a point crawl? That one's a little bit different. James, what do you... Why don't you explain a point crawl? Because that's more of a modern take on overland travel. Yeah, relatively modern. It's, it's, it's been around for a little while, but certainly not as uh, around as old school as a hex crawl. I mean, hex crawls have been 40 years we've been running hex crawls. So a hex crawl where you you might provide a map to the players. So you, 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 you actually literally lay a map out in front of everyone, which has got all the different features of a map with a hex grid laid over the top. So it's very easy for players to decide where they're going to move from one point to the next, and they plot out their own path to travel over land, to travel from wherever they're going. A point crawl is a little bit different. Uh, I, I liken the point crawl almost as a decision tree or a flow chart where a, a games master will describe a number of choices you can make for an overland travel. So you could say you're departing from town, uh, ahead of you you see a, a road that there's a high road that goes across a mountain pass, a low road that, that skims down by a creek, and uh, and a, a forested path that, that, that kind of uh, goes through a, a creaky old forest. Which choice do you make? So it kind of spices up overland travel a bit a little bit by giving a number of choices to the players to choose and each of those choices will then uh, trigger another set of choices and another set of choices so that there are uh, different ways different encounters different locations to explore on the way between one location and, and your and your destination where you want to where you want to go um, so it, it's a little bit it can be likened a little bit to kind of a dungeon layout in that there might be shortcuts or secret doors between different places so that you can kind of cut between one or another. But as opposed to a hex crawl where you're laying a map out, letting the players plot where they are, uh, a point crawl is more like a, a decision matrix where you present some options to the player and let them choose which of the options that you're going to choose, how they, that they want to choose and how they're going to travel. Um, it adds a little bit of spice to, I guess, what could be otherwise a, a fairly bland part of the game. Often when, when you're trying to do over, tra overland travel in a role-playing game, you, you kind of end up getting a bit stuck in a linear way. So, okay, you leave the village, you're doing a road to this other village, and then you just kind of lay out a couple of encounters and that's all you do. A point crawl allows for decisions to be made by the players, allows for a little bit of variety, and a little bit of surprise in that you're not quite sure which decisions your players are going to make before they set out on their journey. Now, what did you say? I, I think for me, between hex crawl and point crawl, point crawl definitely has more prep in it um, because you actually have to set up each encounter or have a general idea of each encounter, right? Um, where hex crawls can often be a lot of randomness or the time is stretched out because you're doing like a whole subsystem of survival things. Um, would you say that's true? Yeah, yeah, to a point. I mean, the hex crawls are a little bit tricky in, if, in that when you, when you create a hex crawl, you can have the player's map that they look at, and then you create your game master map, which shows where all the encounters are and where all the bits and pieces are. But a hex crawl will allow for uh, a, a, an element of randomness in that normally each hex that you walk into, you might randomly roll whether an encounter will occur, and then you can use a series of ta uh, tables. You can do the same with a point crawl in that you could say, okay, uh, you, you decide to go through the forest or through the marsh, and depending on the choice, you might roll on a different random table to find out what different encounter you might have in each of those sections. But yeah, in, in, in a lot of ways, you do kind of plot it out a little bit more. You, you create... Uh, 
areas of, of interest encounters um, at each of the branches and decision trees. So yeah, I think I think you are yeah. right. You do you do tend to, to kind of put a little bit more work in, and unfortunately with a point crawl and and in hex crawls as well, you end up putting a lot of uh, work in that you may never see the benefit of because well, if they choose not to go down that path true, then true. You, do, you don't but recycle see recycle there. recycle yeah, I, right. hex crawls are a lot easier to do the quantum ogre in a hex crawl than it is in a point crawl yeah uh, where the quantum ogre is things are where they need to be at the time they need to be there regardless of which direction you go it's i i, I totally agree point crawls take a little more thinking because you have to think about the paths it's it's not so much the destinations; it's these paths that can get you there. You know, um, they're going yes. down the stream, or there's a shortcut. Yeah. You kind of have to know they exist in order to present them those choices to the player, and know that if they're taking the, as James said, the you know the high road through the woods or something, that it's actually leading somewhere, and there's something out there. So they do take a little more prep. Hex crawls are. You do need to have a map. So, you know, I think we're already getting into kind of how we would run one of these. Um, and I think, James, yeah. you started off with a hex crawl. I mean, we really start with a map. We're drawing a map of our our area, of our world or, or whatever the area at the level that we need to. And there's usually a GM's map who has all the secrets and the details or just has the... Uh, places where they're going to do random rolls, right? If you're if you're playing a kind of system where it's purely random based, when you enter a, a grid map, there's a random encounter or something like that. But there's a the game master has their map, and the players start with a blank map or a map that only has the clearly things like the mountain ranges that they can see, and then they decide. They take a step, um, and so. You know, you populate that by either having encounters or landmarks already defined. You have random tables. There's adventure sites. There's things that you have already on the map which are going to be interesting. They, they In this grid, there's a temple that they can explore or there's a, a ruined castle or something like that. And then you would define those. And then what's also cool is you have, and point crawls do a little bit less of this, um, but you have all the terrain hazards, all that stuff that can be defined. You know, they're traveling through the mountains, and here's what's happened. They take a step in the mountain. They take a step in the marsh. They take a step. Um, so you populate the system, uh, the, the map, based on all these different areas, and then you let the players walk through them. Um, they go step by step. They choose, and they go the direction they want to go. Um, there's a lot of things that kind of come into that. Um, we can kind of get into when we start talking about rations and some of that stuff, but I think it'd be nice to kind of talk about sort of the setting up of the point crawl at the same time before we kind of get into kind of the, the, the details. Um, at least I think so. Um, James, you want to, you've been doing a good job of talking about the point crawl. Do you want to jump in and talk about how we start building one of those out? Uh, a point crawl or a hex crawl? Uh, we, a we point crawl. Hex crawl at the moment? Point crawl. Uh, yeah, I guess like point crawl, it really is about these decision trees so that you kind of, you, you have a, a branching out um, series of decisions that you would make where you try and uh, allow for um, a level of decision making, a level of autonomy from the players in order to determine how they're going to travel. So the idea of the quantum ogre, which is that the ogre was there no matter which decision you make, you're really removing that from your kind of idea so that you are so that you do allow for the player's autonomy and and somewhat the player's surprise as to which way that you work through. So what I would do is you literally start with a starting point on a blank sheet of paper, and you might have one, two, or three kind of branching paths that might lead from there, which lead to three other, two or three other different locations. And from those locations, you would then put two or three more paths. And so you have, it's almost like a family tree that kind of cascades down and then eventually ties back together to the destination point. For each of the branches, you would need to develop up uh, an area of interest, an encounter if there's a monster, uh, you know, uh, uh, something that might um, provide an insight into the story or the narrative that you're presenting. 
um, or some kind of trial or tribulation, something that you need to overcome in order to continue on the journey. So you might say, okay, uh, you know, do you follow the path by the creek? Well, uh, you know, after after a day's travel, the you notice that the creek is now uh, has flooded the banks of the path. So you'll need to swim or find a way to, to overcome it. So for each of the decision making points, you, you come up with some options. Um, and so it is. You do plot it out on a piece of paper, but um, as opposed to a hex crawl, you don't show that graph. You don't show that that branches. You kind of run it narratively. So in a lot of ways, in my mind, point crawls kind of lend themselves more to a modern way of play. Whereas I guess the old school hex crawl, where you'd throw a map out, it's almost almost like bringing in a board game kind of sense to a hex crawl. This is far more abstract and far more narrative in how you would develop up a point crawl. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, that's... For sure. I, I, I do think they accomplish different things too, right? I mean, hex crawls for me are best utilized for like survival type play or for unexplored regions. Yep. Um, I, it seems uh, with, with the point crawl, it's a really good way to, where you as a GM are still controlling the kind of where the players are going in ways, but not completely railroading, right? Like you're 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 giving them the the options, so they're not feeling railroaded, but you're still controlling them. It's not as random as say a hex crawl. Um, I think with both, the most some of those important things from a player's side to actually feel like what either one you're using is is fun or good is to have the players have decisions that have meaning to them, and that if the, you know. Somehow informing them at times that, like, because they chose this decision versus this one, um, you know, what, what did they lose because of that? Like, you can always, I don't know if you've ever done this, um, James, where, like, in a, I guess in a point crawl, like, if they later encountered the same place that they didn't go before, they could see, say, the ruin, like, oh, this has been destroyed, what was here before. Like, you know, if you had gotten here sooner, then this X would happen. And you can do the same thing with hex crawls. Um, and same thing with hex crawls with like the, the whole survival mechanics that I think we'll talk about some more where you have like choices of scouting or, um, you know, uh, building up your, you know, looking for food or exploring or, you know, like things like that. It, the most important thing is to have it really be meaningful and not just taking up time. And that, you know, I, I think a good thing here, well, I mean, we will talk about this more with hex crawls, but timed events and timed quests are really good to give that tension in hex crawls. Um, but like, yeah, like I said, either way, it's, it's very important to, to make the players feel that their choices have meaning because otherwise it could just feel like, you know, this is just, this is just taking up time. Right. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so and, and you have with to manufacture point crawl, that meaning. Yeah. And it's often great in a point crawl to be able to allow the players to look back at the choices that they did yes, not take. Yes, that's what I was, yeah, you know, exactly. So, <laughs> so, oh, you took the low road and didn't take the high road? Well, after a few miles, you look back and you see circling above the mountains is a wyvern. And they're like, oh, I'm glad we didn't go that way. Look at look at what we avoided <laughs> yeah. by by making that decision. Or so like can... the smoke, the smoke from a uh, you know a wagon train of merchants that were attacked or something, right? Yeah. Like, like let them live with those decisions for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, and that's I think that's a I think you make a absolute important part. I mean, all of this is about both of these are about player decisions, right? We're talking about multiple and point crawl. We're talking about multiple paths, multiple options. Not just a linear line between encounters, right? There's there's different ways, and then in the hex crawl, by definition, it's all players' choice, right? They can go in six directions if they want to 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 see what's out there. Um, so, yeah, and, I mean, and absolutely, and for hex crawls in particular, really, really good for blanket exploration, where you yeah. know you may not have a destination, you're just exploring an area. So you leave town. You're heading east, but how you explore is up to you. And hex crawls are also fantastic for searching for things. You know, if you're if, if you know you're the, the villagers have been kidnapped and they and and you you believe that they've been taken somewhere into the wilds, but you're not sure where. It allows you to search parts of the, the parts of the world, and then you know and and kind of where where it's less bet it's less good for. I'm getting from this town to this town, if that makes yes. sense. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think I think hex rolls are also very excellent in any, any type of, you know, shipwrecked type games or kidnapped or things like that where you are just the players are plunged into a complete unknown, 
Yep. Right. Then it really kind of ties into that survival mechanic. Um, it's also good for settings where um, maybe parts of the world are are also unknown, and you're going into say this area which has not been mapped or which was lost for some reason. Right. I think like in the game that Carl is running right now um, in Savage Worlds, um, that's kind of the setting. Is that like a lot of the 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 world map we have no idea about. Um, so that could be, that could be like a ripe, I'm not saying Carl should do this, but, um, well, you're, you're the kind of, the you're, it's, that, it's kind of set up to be a hex crawl without the hexes because, exactly. because yeah, you know, yeah, Savage Worlds right. is not all about like <laughs> grids and stuff like that, but it's kind of set up that way. Right. You know, um, especially if you guys yeah. start following that road. <laughs> So. Yes, for sure. And and I think if we're talking about hex trolls now, I mean, you don't always need to have the like, oh, like Southerners Catan hexes, you know, like it doesn't always have to be that straight like thing on a map. You could just have that open world, but then still have like because of distance, right, because you can only travel so far in a day, the day itself, the time becomes the hex, right? I mean, I think hexes are just, they're, they're used to, to signify that, right? It makes it easy, but yes. you, can, you can even play it without being so like, you know, it's more of a, like I said, it's more of like a visual thing of, oh, you're not playing in this board game. It's still an open mm -hmm. world, but so, you can only travel X amount in a day. So what are you gonna do at that time? How do you spend your limited resources, right? How do you spend your limited actions in your time? So, so, um, so that's a good yeah. segue into kind of the running side of it, some of the interesting things to go there, because that is typical in a hex crawl there, each hex is a certain amount of miles that say take a certain amount of time to traverse depending on the terrain. And in each hex, something yeah. happens. Um, it could be a random encounter. There could be something important in that hex. But it's, it's about kind of passing time as you travel. And then so you get interesting things. Now, now it becomes, and I think, Eric, you mentioned it, this is good for kind of resource management or resource games where that's important. And so we can talk about um, now food becomes important, right? Um, one of the resources, unless unless your uh, system has a create food spell, which then you might want to just nix that out of existence. Right? <laughs> well, you just have to have them um, get injured somehow, and you know the wizard the wizard's out of commission for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, or this forest interrupts with you know conjuration teleportation type magic, so teleporting and, and creating food out of midair doesn't work. Or something you know, right? There's the there's the thing. The dark forest. Um, I, yeah, yeah I, 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 I had to resort in a curse of stride game to say yeah you create food but it's moldy maggoted food that no it, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, yeah that's cool yeah but that does, yeah you can always come up with creative reasons right but if you can if you work. can get past it that totally gives a great chance for those with survival skills or ability to forage or scout and you know sometimes those folks don't get as much fun right because you spend a lot of time in town or in dungeons and so that person with their survival skills here's their opportunity to shine in the, in the hex crawl world to avoid, um, you know, running into things or finding food or foraging. So um, that gives them a lot of Absolutely. opportunity. Yeah. Both, both hex crawls and point crawls allow your survivalist type characters to really come to the fore because whether it's uh, navigating to which hex that you go or, um, or increasing the speed in which you might travel through, um, through certain difficult terrain or finding food and drink in a hex crawl or coming up with where the short paths, shortcuts might be in a point crawl. This does allow for um, a better exploration phase for those, you know, kind of rangers and druids and scouts and, and those kind of uh, reconnaissance type classes where um, uh, normally you're, you get on the road and you, you go in one direction to, to the next town. It doesn't allow you to do that. Yep, very. Uh, I guess I never really thought about point crawl, but yeah, I'm point agreeing crawl with does, you. Well, <laughs> yeah. I guess point crawl does the same thing. It does give those characters opportunity because of the routes um, that you take um, have impact as to as to what's going on. Um, and then, of course, when you're running a hex crawl or a point crawl, it's a great opportunity to take weather into account, to take terrain into account. We mentioned that a little bit. For sure. Um, yeah. You know. It, it, with 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 terrain, sorry, sorry go, keep going. No, I was going to say, uh, uh, just it's an opportunity to do man versus nature versus you know man versus yeah. monster or man versus something else. It gives you that chance to have, um, you know, overcoming your environment as opposed to just adventuring against, you know, big bad guys and that sort of thing. So go ahead, Eric. What were you saying? 
Well, I was going to say, so, so to make terrain feel impactful, I mean, first, we, we didn't really totally, we, we kind of touched on this, but with hex crawl games, I think it's very important, like you guys said, to have your GM map with, with like, you know, your notable places that you've set up ahead of time. Um, but it's also very important to have um, some type of table, either the one that you've taken from the system itself or created yourself. You can, there's a ton of examples online, but very basically you want to have a table that has things like, you know, uh, well, like a wandering monster, of course, but things like weather or the environment, some type of environmental problem, uh, maybe a good one, like a, you know, a, a mystical spring, uh, things like that. Um, also like wandering NPCs that could be good or bad. Um, have your table and then to make terrain really feel uh, like it matters what kind of train it is. Like you have your, you know, forest, plains, uh, marsh, th things like that, mountains, hills. Um, the, the number one thing to do here is to provide movement penalties or time penalties based on, how, you know, how difficult the train is. So plains terrain will be easy to traverse. Maybe you could do two hexes in a day, right? Um, where a mountain terrain might take half a hex or something. Or, or um, also in those terrains that are rougher, make the kind of actions that you take for like, say, looking for food or, um, you know, scouting, things like that, take more time, right? And then the third way that I see to make terrain impactful is when you're making your wandering monster table, have different types of monsters like set up like this. These type of monsters, you know, work in desert and plains or whatever. These type of monsters work in the marsh. So you can still have your random tables, but just kind of shift the types of monsters based on the terrain. That will really, really make players feel like, oh, this the types of terrain matter. And it's, it really makes a difference when you choose to go to each one, you know, because there might be a shortcut to go through the mountains, but we know that it's going to be a lot rougher to look for food right, than, than say the forest or a plains area. So um, yeah, I don't know if you guys want to keep- And, and the yetis, and we know that. that the yetis hang out in the mountains. Yetis, so we you don't never want to mess with the yetis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, th I think that's a great point. I mean, absolutely. Um, that's one of the things that uh, when I was reading resources uh, about hex crawls, random tables are a big deal um, to, kind of add flavor and the rant, you know, just that it's not just tied in, you know, uh, uh, in stone, um, already yeah. that there's, there's, there's a random element. Um, I don't do a lot of rolling tables, but, um, it seems like hex crawls. That's a great opportunity, um, to, to have those random tables that, um, yeah. cause especially weather, right. As you're traveling, weather can come and go, and, you know, having a random understanding of what's going to happen is probably a great thing. Yeah, you, you want to have that variety and you want to just as a GM to make it easier on you, you know, have that mix of um, things that you've created ahead of time that like have a lot of flavor, right? That will like have the map set up, that you have your narration and your writing set up. But then you, you know, to make it easy on you to make the world seem more expansive, you have these random events. And it's not just monsters, right? Because that would be boring and nobody likes that to just do combat after combat after combat. You want to have, right. like James said, skill challenges, right? Based on the, the tile or the weather or social challenges with random NPCs that could be powerful NPCs, you know, of, of some type of gang or raiders or a merchant caravan, whatever it is. So, so um, you de variety is the spice of life in most things, but really, really, especially with hex crawls, because that will kill campaigns. If, if it's if it becomes too one note and too kind of stuck, then that's when players will quick quickly lose interest in hex crawls. Yeah, it turns into uh, a slog. Absolutely, you know. and and really important that you maintain narrative elements too with your hex yes. crawl. There is still a story to be told as people are traveling in the journey. Uh, you, you still should have players discover narratively what's going on in the world um, that should still continue to forward your plot. So it's not, so even though you might just be traveling through the mountains, it is important that, you know, with an encounter of orcs, you understand that the orcs are now traveling through the plains because they've been pushed out of their ancestral lands in the mountains from a deeper threat, or that, you know, that the wagons that you're seeing across these trails of have been um you know preyed upon by by uh, brigands or something like that so that so that the the story narrative continues no matter which hex that you go on and there's one more th I, I want to bring up something with hex crawls too is because we mostly with hex crawls we think of you know we're, we're pretty much thinking of fantasy medieval type games right or just pre kind of modern well, pre-industrial um, yeah. hex crawls also work very, very well for science fiction games. Oh, yeah. Extremely yeah. well. I mean, they're, um, they're, especially they're, if 
Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. No, I was going to say Traveler is basically a hex crawl, right? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but even more micro than Traveler, you can do stuff within solar systems, right? Because not maybe sometimes like uh, while you have, might have FTL, your your kind of impulse drives go much slower through a solar system. So you can have random events in asteroid fields or in nebulae or you know in different planets or. Um, planetoids, things like that. So I, I just want to, I, I see mostly hex crawls being applied. Yeah, I guess Traveler is a good example. But with me, tra Traveler still seems kind of like it's, yeah, uh, planet to planet, right? When I'm talking about like in solar systems. Um, but but your point uh, is, but your point holds too. Yeah, yeah, but your point holds. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's good for all sorts of, I mean, just think of your post-apocalypse where, you know, by definition, you're trying to explore the world that was, <laughs> yeah. right? And there's so many interesting I things. I did it in Fallout. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yep. And because hex crawls, I guess, came out of the this idea of the these kind of military games, these these kind of military board games, you know, lends itself so well to a military campaign, a Twilight 2000 or, a, you know, that kind of you know, uh, almost like a war, a war footing. So, you know, if you do have a battle between armies and you've got your overarching map that can show the boundary between armies, but you can hex your way across that, very, very handy. Um, very good for those mm. kind of games as well. That's a good point too, James, because I find with... When, when you're involving, like, large nations and armies, like, what is the role of the group, right? They're, they're basically elite operatives, right? They're, they're special forces. So that's that's a really good idea to have them be hex crawling to be kind of the scouts or behind enemy lines, right? They're the parachuters of World War II or whatever. Um, that's a really good point. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so when we think about uh, point crawls, uh, one of the things that I, I don't know if we touched on, but, you know, it's very important that as the players are coming between these major nodes of the graph that you have a great um, description for them. How did they arrive to the location and what does it look like um, as they arrive? Because that's the event, right? That arrival is important um, versus in a hex crawl, it's sort of, I've entered the glade and I see a thing and we're going to do something about that. Here, that arrival should be meaningful and part of the overall narrative. I, I don't know, guys. What do you think? I, that's, I think that's important to, to really think about that arrival um, to, the, to the locations um, as you traverse the paths. Very much so. I think a point crawl, because you don't have the map, you don't, you can't actually show the grid and you can't show the decision-making process as it, un, as it, un, um, as it, God, mental blank, as it uh, unfolds, um, you need to describe things in a far more descriptive um, kind of uh, comprehensive way in two ways, both the, the decisions that you're presenting the group so that they're making informed choices so that you can you should be describing what the routes look like, what the choice is, and then importantly, the payoff. When they choose to go down the road, what is the thing that they discover that, that makes it obvious? And, and in a lot of ways, when I do a point crawl, far more than when I do a hex crawl, I'm preparing my encounter maps far more for the different decision-making processes as you go so that you can show, um, and because I run so many games digitally, you, you can show the, the arrival as well so that you can kind of see that it's less about the randomness and less about the, the, the how long it takes you to get to a spot and more about what is the destination in those nodes that you that you encounter in. Absolutely. Now, we, we talk about point crawls a lot uh same with hex crawls, right, in, into a wilderness environment. Do you Have you ever used point crawls in, say, like a large urban area, like maybe some type of mega city, um, anything like that? Uh, so they're other great for ways that. besides kind of forests? Yeah. I, they they're are. Great I for, have, they're I really have, great and, for that. And recently, um, I have in my – I'm running a Waterdeep uh, campaign in a Dungeons & Dragons game, which is set in a large city. And yeah. actually one of, one of my players is an urchin. And the urchin's ability is that their their movement speed is halved by taking back ways <laughs> through the back streets yeah. of the city. And so I have set up a point crawl for 
uh, travel in between those byways and those different little laneways and different alleyways. So in, in, invariably, they always use it when they're escaping trouble and try to get back home as quick as they possibly can. And so that's when I'll use a point crawl so that you can say you can either skirt by the docks, um, you know, where there is a chance that you might get discovered by the police, but there is a lot more allies there. You can slink in the underground sewers to get back this way you can you can skirt across the rooftops this way giving them choices that then lead to different encounters that then lead to yep. different um, parts of the story and it, and it helps us stop it, it really is useful to focus on what's important within the city as opposed to i mean it's not fun to say okay i'm walking down first street now i turn on main and now i'm going yeah. down it, it that's just doesn't work it's really for these large cities, I'm moving between sections of the city with interesting things in each part that I have multiple paths, like James, you're talking about. There's multiple ways to get back to my, you know, my hideout or whatever. But then between that and some other location in the city, there's multiple ways of getting there and there's decisions I make. But I'm not getting, you know, bogged down into the minutia of walking the streets and walking through the map and going because it, it's it's not important right what's important is um how you get there and where you're getting to um and then you can build upon that so yeah it's really good for um cities and that sort of thing for sure um yeah. i can imagine something and, sorry go on and you mentioned eric before about having um time pressure in order yes. to try and kind of provoke a more uh, rapid fire or a more interesting way because that's one of the things that I use my point crawls in the city for is they're trying to get somewhere between point A and point B in a fast way um, because it gives because otherwise you could if they were if people had the leisure to walk through the city at their own pace and take as much time as they would want then it it, it ceases to be narratively interesting you yeah know, because you can Where's say well, eventually eventually seven hours later you can make it and you've been able to avoid any problems and you you make it but it, it by introducing a time crunch allows you to um kind of force the uh force the action a little bit better and to even up the tension more i would imagine that yeah. if you have some type of timed quest and you inform the players that like you know the sooner that you get there the better because they're the the enemies are gathering strength right but they might have but, but you can say, take this, you know, take this extra travel to, say, an ally's stronghold to gather more supplies or to, to X, X. Like, so they have to balance. Do we get there as try to get there as quickly as possible or do we spend more time, you know, going to more locations, getting more things, something like that? I, I guess that would be also a balancing act as far as. And, and that's that that's a really cool concept. Right. Uh, I mean, that's often. You have to make decisions on how much time you're planning on preparing, which includes traveling to different places and bringing those yeah. potentially different, you know, resources to bear versus just confronting the problem head on. So that's a tough decision for players, right? And it gives them a lot of interesting. Which is good. Yeah, it gives them a lot of interesting <laughs> thought to to put in, and I could see some nice debates going on in character um, with parties as they make these decisions. And that's probably a lot of fun or it would be a lot of fun. The other way to make both these, uh, spicy a little bit as well is the idea of a race, you know, the, the kind of concept of you are working against another, another, uh, group that you're aware of that is also trying to make their way across the overland in the fastest possible way. So if you're trying to race someone to warn, about an impending attack or you know that the orcs are a day ahead of you and you need to catch up for lost time, um, it then provokes more uh, intensive decision-making and, and, and changes the way that people might use yeah. both a hex crawl and a point crawl. And I think in both of those scenarios, like having the kind of obvious shortcut be da more dangerous and the longer route being safer, maybe more bountiful. And that's, again, that's like providing that decision of wh what do we weigh here? Do we want to go for the risk, maybe get injured, maybe use up resources, but we're getting there quicker? Or do we take the safer route and then maybe our enemies are catching up because of that? So I, I think, yeah, like we've, we, we kind of keep re repeating this, but having those obvious kind of consequences and risks and rewards to the players that really what makes um, it fun. And that, that's where the tension really lies. Very cool. So um, hex crawls, point crawls, neither are <laughs> better than the other, right? I mean, they're good for different, different things. I think, um, 
a lot of folks think that hex crawls are dated, but they're really good for exploration. They're really good for a lot of things, and they're uh, quite honestly some of the really fun to run um, as people kind of look at a map and make decisions. Point crawl, great for that narrative aspect of it, um, with you know, uh, understanding how the encounters are laid out with shortcuts and, you know, travel paths. So each has their own own place. So what do you, what do you guys think? Uh, are you a hex crawl, more of a hex crawl fan or more of a point crawl fan? I have become more of a point crawl fan only because in some ways I think point crawl lends itself to the more modern way of playing. Having said that, I do like hex crawls over multiple sessions so if if you're looking at doing a major exploration if you're looking at you know you know that there are uh fragments of a lost orb around this this world and and you need to find each of the fragments and then there's a lot of travel between those areas a hex crawl is 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 amazing and really good fun and and it does allow for a lot of player um uh, player interaction and player choice far more than a, the point crawl are. Um, I just think point crawls are probably a little bit more more modern, but um, but hex crawls I still drag out every now and then. And hex crawls are yeah, great and, for um, West Marches style games too, oh, where you're very nice, you go sure, out yeah. adventure and then come back. So they're really well well set up for that. Go ahead, Eric. I'm sorry. I mean, well, no, no, you're totally right. They, they each have their strengths and like something like. Like point crawl, it doesn't seem can never really do the survival like hex crawl does, right? Like even while it might emulate some of that, it can never really give you that full survival experience. Um, but one thing I want to say is that like, I mean, you can combine both of these two, right? Where where one is the macro and one's the micro. I mean, if you have a hex crawl game and it's more of like a re, you know region to region, like large regions, like if you're in space or you're on a ship or something. And then once you get to a certain area, then you could follow that up with a point crawl too. I, mean, I don't know if you guys, is that crazy? Have you ever tried that before, James or Carl? Uh, kind of be, being the macro micro? Um, Mind blown, Eric. Mind blown. <laughs> I, I think it's the, I flip it around though. I, I've done or the opposite. Yeah. More like a, crawl pa- the, the a point macro. crawl to a location. And then within that location, it's big enough to maybe do a more of a hex crawl walking through yeah. individuals. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it makes like sense. I never thought of it that or way. this peninsula, and then you do the hex crawl, right? right? With it. I mean, the, the point crawl within that, right? <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> hex crawl. Oh yeah. So, so they're used for different things completely. Um, and I, I think it's a lot of it's going to come down to whether you, as a game master, want to spend your time you know, creating all these kind of more handcrafted environments for point crawl. Um, but for hex crawl, there is prep, right? If your setting doesn't have, if your your game system doesn't already have a preset kind of, if somebody hasn't made it yet, right? There's plenty of them for D&D. There's plenty of them for Pathfinder, but some games don't completely have a hex crawl system. So you have to create it yourself. You have to create the tables yourself. So um, they each create, they each require the game master to do prep, but in different ways. But once you've kind of set up your hex crawl system or you have one, that it's, that it's a lot easier, right? So uh, it, they, they fill, you know, differently um, whether you have prep time, I think that, that will ultimately come down to it in some ways. And, and hex crawl still does require prep. And I mean, despite the For fact sure, that you've yeah. got your random encounters and your random tables, you would still populate your hex with some key places and some key kind of uh, areas of interest that you would want to populate in a similar way to a point crawl. I think with a hex, it, there's just more latitude to be able to insert more randomness into it yeah, than potentially yeah. as a point crawl. I, yeah. I, I just meant like over time, like you said, over, over multiple games, it, it's going to, you know, hex crawl is going to fill up space more with, yeah. with, with probably less prep than a point crawl of, of the similar length, right? Because there is those random encounters and there is the, the time taking just to travel and to make those rolls on based on survival checks and all those things. All right. Very cool. Um, so how about we uh, talk a little bit about some of our tips and tricks that we think are are good um, for hex crawl or a point crawl? Um, I'll start off. One of the first ones I'll, I'll mention is using a diagram for your point crawl. If you put a diagram yeah. together, and, and James mentioned a flowchart, I talk about a node graph. If, if you can build that out with the places and the connections and the paths and the shortcuts and all that, it's so much easier to, to understand and be able to 
the follow the process of where people are going because that becomes your map of of what you're trying to accomplish. So that's that's my first one, and that's I think the the biggest one um, for me. Um, James, what's your first tip? Uh, for agreed, and with the point crawler, it, it is about that descriptive stuff. So it's taking some time to work through narratively how you would describe those areas, because you really want to allow your players to have informed choice. Um, you really want to give a sense of what the dangers might be or what the benefits might be of taking each path when you take your point crawl, so that so that you do give players a, a real option to make meaningful choices instead of just, oh, well, is there any difference between the high road, middle road, and low road? No, I can't tell the difference, so therefore the choice is a little bit spurious. It doesn't really matter which choice I make. So being able to describe and infer what the players might be encountering depending on the, cho the choice they make for me is very important. Otherwise, you're just creating multiple linear kind of railroads rather than meaningful choice. Okay, Eric, from a player perspective or even Game Master, do you, what, what's a tip well, you for might Hex, offer? Hexcrawl, I mean, I, I think we've talked a, a lot about kind of tips that here and there. Um, for hex crawling, I, I would say even while you know you have your system or you're using the system of a game, but don't make it too complicated. Uh, I think when when it gets too complicated, you kind of get lost in the woods, <laughs> figuratively, <and laughs> literally, um, a little bit. Um, but one thing, you know, because there's all this randomness, um, borrow, borrow, borrow. Like borrow, there's so many. Uh, and from other systems, I mean, like there's so many like mini encounters in different setting books. And I mean, like, look at Savage Worlds, Carl's right. How many every single setting book that you can for Savage Worlds has this litany of mini encounters and you can, you know, again, you don't have to use the actual like mechanics from it, but they're really good inspiration to quickly be like, oh, here's something that takes place in a forest. Right. I'm just going to grab that idea right there and just that'll help you like add narration to these random encounters. Um, and give it more flavor. So um, just just look at like, you know, old books. I mean, Carl, you must have like a million magazines and books, right? With just so many little mini encounters. And um, yeah, there's for narrative and flavor wise, they're, they're pretty system agnostic, right? You don't have to, you could pretty easily kind of take those on the fly. And well, especially kind of if you're using it for inspiration in. of the idea and That's not just I mean. necessarily yeah, exactly. mechanics. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, and another one we talked about was ran you mentioned it random encounters. If you're doing that and we mentioned it, mix it up between monsters and interesting interactions like, you know, you run into a hunter or a caravan or or something other than just I'm doing random monster tables. So mix it up, make it interesting, get some role playing opportunity. That's another one that I'll I'll offer up there. Yeah. One last tip too for hex crawls in some ways is Hex crawls does allow you, when you're first painting the map, it, it's about trying to create some kind of realistic geography as well when, you, when you're kind of working from hex to hex, having one type of terrain merge into another terrain rather than just you've gone from plains to mountains in one kind of hex one boundary yes, or yeah. you know and from then from that you know to try and try and work through some real world geography that that makes some level of sense so that when players choose the next available hex they're not confronted by something absolutely outlandish that they weren't kind of expecting because again with a hex crawl you need to kind of make some level of informed choice in that well if i keep following the planes then ultimately will be you know that plane should continue rather than just kind of randomly scattering like a Settlers of Catan where you just kind of randomly spread them yeah, all over yeah. the table. Yeah, trying to have some kind of, uh, you know, real-world geography there helps the players to make their choices. Do you think a hex crawl would be fun for an actual play? Would you, would you watch an actual play where people were doing hex crawls? Not for long. <laughs> un, un, unless it was, you know, they, they did it in a way that was very interesting where the roles were quick. Um, to do all the different mechanics, and then it was populated with different kind of things that are happening. But, you know, I, I, we're also talking about here like hex crawl campaigns or ga games, right? Some games are all hex crawls, um, but I think ultimately, you know, those can't last that long. I just don't think they're as interesting um, as when their hex crawls are used kind of uh, in dispersed, right? Yes. Um, so, 
Um, even if you have a, a section of hex that's really long, like the, the players are stranded on this island, they have to have the secrets, you know, have your like set little notable locations and, and make sometimes make those big enough where it takes a couple sessions to kind of don't just have it be one session to, to actually kind of really break up. So that that's I guess it's a tip. If you're doing a long hex crawl game, <laughs> uh, be sure to put in things that will take multiple sessions that are not hex crawling. Uh, just yes. to break up that flow. Well, um, I mean, uh, yeah. I guess the expectation is at some point you find something interesting in a hex, which isn't ad- could be an adventure of itself, right? I mean, you find yeah an abandoned temple, and there's going to be a session of exploring that and learning its secrets and stuff like that. So, um, but I mean, like several sessions. Means, you know, yeah, it, of course, yeah. it could be several <laughs> yeah, sessions. Yeah. I mean, hexes are a means <laughs> to an end. It's it's right. So, okay, yeah, yep, yeah. good, good thought, good thought. So what do you guys think? Think we hit that one? Yeah, hit it, hit it right. like uh, yeah, like a hex. No, <laughs> we hit it like one of those gopher games. We were kind of just like bing, 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 bing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it's a topic that like we could get into such specifics, but it's not that wouldn't be really like you know uh, approachable on an hour long podcast format. So I think we did a good a good job of jumping all over the place and kind of doing the overall kind of <laughs> hints and tips, right? Uh, we're not like showing you like here's our like tables and system you know specifically so um, yeah yeah you know, we'll, there's we'll so many that. resources out there yeah yeah so you you can borrow those just again like uh, just just don't overcomplicate I guess that's my and, and I'll throw final some word and I'll in, in the description I'll throw some links to some resources and they probably within those resources may have links to tables and some other other things so check out the the uh, show notes for some of those. Um, So, hey, all right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I hope you got something out of it. Remember to drop by MasteringTheRPG.com to learn about our other projects. Uh, We're working on contact and support us. We'd love your support. Um, Please email Game Master at MasteringTheRPG if you have a question, need some advice, uh, adjudicate differences of opinion within your game group, whatever. Um, If you like the show, please help us with a positive review in the podcatcher of your choice. Um, we like doing the show, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun, so we'd love some great reviews. Um, definitely uh, follow, subscribe, or whatever, so that we see those numbers go up as well. So, again, we appreciate everybody tuning in. Once again, this is Carl with Eric and James. Say goodbye, guys. Goodbye, guys. Goodbye, guys. Happy gaming.